Hi, I'm Pat Foran. Welcome to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap, a podcast for working indie artists, aspiring music artists, and fans. Each week, I interview a different guest who has a proven track record in the biz or related field. I talk with producers, promoters, audio engineers, managers, songwriters, bands, social media experts, veteran and novice artists too, about their experiences and recommendations. I'll get answers to some of the hows and whys of today's music business, which you will find invaluable in navigating the chaotic world of today's music industry. Today's guest is singer-songwriter Grant Malloy Smith. Let's get going. Hey there, Pat. Hello, how are you? Pretty good. Can you hear me okay? Oh yeah, I hear you great. How about, how about me? Yep, just fine. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so how you been? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Been a while since I saw you. <laughs> yes, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I follow you, follow you online, so I have uh, seen some of the work that you've been doing, and uh, pretty cool stuff. And um, so um, where are you based out of? I live in Rhode Island. Okay. And what, what area? Um, Providence oh, or? No, the southern part of the state. Which is well, I, I guess that figures right. The southern, I live in the southern part. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's south, not a city; it's just little towns. Yes, <laughs> the like, deep uh, south. Well, of Rhode Island. I'm I'm pretty familiar with Rhode Island. So are you? Yeah, but are you on? Let's see. So are you are you on the Newport? Nope, I'm on the main part of the uh, main part. Okay. state. So, so right next to the University of Rhode Island and and. Uh, oh, okay, that, you are right, Kingston. Yep, Kingston area. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, well, we get up there when we can. As a matter of fact, I just interviewed somebody last week who um, I saw him. I saw he had just performed, or not just, but I mean, hmm. somewhat recently, um, I performed in Rhode Island, and he oh, posted yeah. something from there. Huh. So we were, we were talking about that a little bit. We're actually going to try and get up. We go up to like Narragansett, um, kind of hang out in Newport, and yeah, it's um, just a few miles away from me. Narragansett's yeah. the next town over. Yeah, true. Um, and um, <clears throat> well, Point South. I was I was wondering if we were talking about like Point Judith or Jerusalem. That's pretty south. <laughs> yeah, that's a few more miles. South. <laughs> Still, it's Rhode Island, so nowhere's too far from anywhere else. <laughs> this is the true. whole state's like forty by fifty miles. So you, you really can't get too far. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like trying to describe where I live in New Jersey too. It's. <laughs> I'm like central New Jersey. Oh, I didn't. I thought you were in northern New Jersey. No, I'm not in north. I thought you were in south New Jersey, southern New Jersey. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> in, the in the central middle. New Jersey, <laughs> Trenton, Princeton, yeah. that kind of yeah. area. Yes, right, right around Trenton. Um, so, um, well, I'm glad we got the geography out of the way here. But <laughs> <laughs> now we can get started. Um, so, um, yeah. So, what's what's the latest and greatest? What are you, what are you up to now? Well, I'm just about to shoot a music video. It's going to end about two weeks. So we're in deep preparations for that. Kevin, I don't know if you know Kevin Lucas. He's a marimba player, percussionist, uh, really an amazing player. And uh, we did a song uh, about a year and a half ago. It was a song of his, but I produced a new version of it. Uh, it's called Cahokia Winds. It's about this Native American tribe that disappeared from the middle of uh, like the Mississippi River Valley. Uh, more than a thousand years ago and no one can figure out why and he wrote a song about that and we then i produced the song and then we went there and we shot a video there right next to the right on the mississippi and ohio rivers 
Oh. We did another song more recently. Uh, we did uh, an original version of the, the famous old folk song called Scarborough Fair. Okay. Uh, the, uh, Simon and Garfunkel made a hit out of that some years ago, but the song is like 500 years old. So uh, we made an, a really different, uh, an original version of that, and we're going to shoot a video on Block Island, which is just off the coast of Rhode Island, which isn't really an island, but, you know, <laughs> that's for another more ge geography. So uh, we're going to go over there in, in about two weeks and shoot that video right on the coastline. Nice. And uh, it's going to be pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Well, I love that area up there. So, um, yeah, you had released or you had posted. Um, I guess I should have looked before I started the interview but <laughs> you had just posted something recently was it about the indian tribe that you were going to do a video or it could well uh this one doesn't really involve uh native americans per se we are going to shoot on the mohegan bluffs in block island but that's just kind of a coincidence it's not the song isn't really about that oh. no i mean the other one the uh one in mississippi yeah the one yes that was i think i probably i've posted about that numerous times okay yeah, I think, I think maybe because it, it, it won some awards. That's probably oh, cool. where, nice. where you saw that come out across social media. <laughs> yeah, well, congratulations on that. Yeah, and, and at the same time, I'm making a new record, too. I've been making these uh, historically or culturally based theme records uh, for the last uh, seven years now. I made Dust Bowl American Stories oh, back Dust in 2017 yeah, and then Appalachia uh, about a year and a half ago. Appalachia American Stories, and now I'm working on Mississippi American Stories. So it's it's about, you know, the Mississippi is obviously a very important part of our country and has been uh, since the beginning and, and all the way back through hundreds of thousands of years ago before the Europeans came here. There was plenty of other people here, native, native peoples here, and they used it to to travel, to trade, you know, to obviously to get fish and all that, all that stuff. It's been critically important and played a lot of, uh, a very large part in our history since, you know, since the U.S. and was founded and, and even before. So I'm writing songs related to the river from the top in Minnesota, where it starts, all the way down to where it empties out into the Gulf of Mexico and in New Orleans. And there's a lot of history, a lot of blues music up and down that river. So I've been dabbling uh, more in that area too not for every song but for several that's that's really been a lot of fun i opened up for uh steve forbert i think he's from mississippi do you know steve forbert yeah pop yeah. Uh, rock rock pop americana i don't even know what they call it anymore but <laughs> <laughs> he did a combination he had a, he had at least i know one big hit that he had um but um yeah, he does this kind of thing where he uses a stomp board and um, piece, takes a piece of plywood, I guess, yeah. on stage and <laughs> stomps on it. It's pretty cool, <laughs> um, you know, to deliver deliver some percussion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that was that was uh, one area that I was going to ask you about. We just kind of explained it. So you're doing. How did you come about picking picking this kind of project or this kind of goal to uh, write songs about the Mississippi? Well, I've always loved the river. I think I, I was a huge Mark Twain fan when I was a kid. You know, I read all the books, Life on the Mississippi, of course, Tom Sawyer, and, and also Huckleberry Finn, which is where the river is a, really a central character of the Huckleberry Finn story. And um, I've just always been fascinated by it. 
And I, I thought, you know, there's so much history, you know, all the, think of all the places that the river has influenced and that have influenced the river uh, between St. Louis and Cape Girardeau and Memphis, uh, Natchez, Mississippi, of course, New Orleans, very famous and everything in between. And even, you know, with the headwaters start way up uh, in Minnesota, quite, quite a long way away. Yeah, it's had a huge. Of course, there have been floods that have been devastating over the last uh, well thousands of years. But the ones we know about, there was even one just maybe four years ago that I saw. I was out in Peoria, uh, which the river goes right by, and there was just incredible flooding. I think that was what three or four years ago. There were trees, like fields of trees, and they were, it looked like a lake that had trees coming out of it because the the water was so deep on both sides of the highway. Luckily, the highway was raised up a little bit. Otherwise, there would have been no cars on it. <laughs> but it was bizarre driving. It looked the highway looked like a peninsula, you know, a long, skinny peninsula that went from Illinois into Iowa, where I drove across the border, uh, across the bridge. Finally, so there's been all kinds of history related to it: the Civil War, the Revolutionary War, and, and everything, everything sure. in between. Yeah, it was um, early on um, trying to. Uh expand past the Mississippi. I mean, the Mississippi is a demarcation line, right? And for, for, uh, I don't know how, how many years, but yeah, uh, for sure. hundred years. Yeah. 150 years, maybe. It was pivotal in the civil war too, because it was used to resupply the South. So control over the river was obviously critical to the, the North winning the war. And that is what did it. That's why there was the famous campaign with uh, general Grant at Vicksburg, yeah, Vicksburg is right on the river. It's got these. It's on top of these bluffs that look, overlook the river, and uh, it was very easy to defend for the South. Very hard to go after. It took Grant months to do it, but that's what really that one uh, was. What one of the two main things that led to the the South uh, losing. <laughs> that's yeah. the only way they they kept getting resupplied by by the water. And once yeah. that was cut off, they couldn't get supplies from the from the West anymore. Um. Now, do you consider your music country music or what, what do you consider your music? Yeah, you alluded to Americana before, and, and I guess that's where I am. No one really knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you can call it Americana. You can call it American Roots. Basically, it oh, means right. uh, if, you can, if you don't fit into any other category, that's kind of where you <laughs> That's yeah. what you are. I call it the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, yeah. from the... <laughs> <laughs> Rudolph uh, cartoon or not cartoon, but that animation. Um, well, I mean, um, I have this discussion with, you know, guests, different guests. And uh, so, I mean, like uh, rock music had country roots, like mm -hmm, for sure. In, in the, that um, came out again in like the seventies, you know, it, it uh, yeah. Like Almond Brothers. Rock was, yeah. Kind of as rock was growing and then, mm -hmm. but you can hear it. Um, well, definitely hear it throughout the music. I mean, folk and country and um, country riffs and or country um, kind of country riffs, uh, bending strings and which is, I guess you could say it's blues too. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, um, yeah, it's like a mishmash. And so we were, so we, you know, I talked with different people about this and it's like, so we kind of use the safe, the safe word is indie. <laughs> indie music right that's the same word. well that's true i guess that's true because the big record labels and they don't like that stuff they want clear categories blues yeah. rock country yes. pop you know are not they don't care about r&b or anything that doesn't sell a million records but 
you know, they like categories and they don't like things that are nebulous or in between or, and I guess uh, it means I'll be an indie forever because I'm, <laughs> I'm never going to fit into one of those big giant categories. Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, there's part, there's aspects of all those in my music, of course. And, you know, and, and I think it, no matter what I do, it's going to sound a little bit country because it's, you know, it's me doing it <laughs> and uh, it's going to, it's going to sound a little bit like a hillbilly, no matter what I try to do. Uh, but that's okay. Well, I think, I think the cowboy hat gives you away too. That, yeah, that's another day. <laughs> well, not, not necessarily, but you know, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it, it kind of hits the mark sometimes mm-hmm. some of that music, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, people ask, you know, um, fan, you know, or the audience will ask, or um, you know, club owners ask if if you're not explicit, you yeah, know, when you're dealing with them and what kind of music. So you kind of you do have to have some kind of category. Yeah, uh, you do fit into. Always people don't know whether they should hire you or not. They don't know. Yeah, a lot of people don't like country-ish music, whether it's rootsy music or that kind of thing. And so, you know, they want to know: is it that? Okay, no, I don't like. It. <laughs> it's kind of like how I am with spinach. You know, <laughs> it got spinach in it. Yes, okay, I, I don't want it. <laughs> well, see, I don't, I, I don't believe that. I know people say that, you know, they don't like country and this and that, but I don't believe. I think if I think if it's a good song, mm-hmm. I think most people will give it a, give it a listen. You know of I mean? course. And cunt, there's a lot of good country music. So, I mean, yeah, I, there is like like every kind of music. There's a lot of great pop music, and there's a a lot of not so great. But it's true with every genre, I think. Yeah. You know? is there's usually about ten percent really great stuff, and then twenty percent maybe of good stuff, and then there's a lot of not so good stuff. Well, no sometimes what you're talking about. I think I I feel that original music gets a bad rap because there are a lot of you know. I don't want to say wannabe, maybe somebody would consider me a wannabe, (laughs) but, um, you know, you have people out there and maybe they're just learning, you know, but they're out playing original music and maybe Mm -hmm. it's not so good, you know, but they're just, they're kind of in the learning process. Sure. Everybody Um, starts somewhere, you know, younger. I'm not talking about somebody my age, (laughs) like (laughs) trying to get out and, it's like, oh no, you know, better woodshed that a little bit. You know? <laughs> I've seen so, a few of them at open mics, people that are like 65 years old and they never played in front of anybody before. Yeah. Maybe they even just took up the guitar oh, sure. know, a few months ago. I've seen that. Some yeah. of them were amazingly good. I mean, yeah, really no. surprising. Yeah. Not to give everybody all that a bad rap, but um, I just mean um, that people are a little apprehensive when you approach them about original music, you know, yeah, like, Oh, well, sure. who's going to come in. It's like, exactly. Yeah. That's well, it. it's, it's good music. And like I said, you know, if you can get a chance and you're, and you're good, you know, people will usually give you a shot, but um, anyway. Um, yeah. So that's one of the, that's one of the things. And then you have that with, you know, if you're streaming, so you have to, you have to kind of categorize yourself and yeah. Um, if you're doing ads, you know, you have, who sounds like this sounds like that. So there, you do have to have little knowledge right as an artist to uh, try and market yourself. Yeah. So, um, you know, aside from that, we hate labeling. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we hate labels like this is this, that's that because as a songwriter, I mean, I'm sure you do the same thing. It's um, you mentioned Americana, you mentioned roots, you know, you mentioned uh, American roots, you mentioned, um, uh, would you say American roots? No, what is that? The American roots. Oh, okay. Americana, they're kind of synonymous with the same thing, but you know, the, 
but it's all a, a blend between country and American roots, a little bit of blues, maybe some bluegrass. Um, yeah. And I er, connected to early country or what my Grammy would have called. She called it mountain music. Yeah. Actually, she called it her mountain music. <laughs> like she owned it. Well, <laughs> and that was people like Bill Monroe and yeah. Stanley Brothers and that, that kind of early, early stuff. Yeah. Well, like my dad liked country music. So we had to sit, we had to watch, uh, I'm going to be dating myself now. We were watching uh, Grand Old Opry and, uh, you know, all those. Well, they used to call it hillbilly. Hillbilly music. <laughs> hillbilly music. That's another yeah. term. And um, wrong with that? Well, a lot of people, you know, a lot of those people were from hill country. And, mm-hmm. right, and that's where they've got their, brought some of the traditional songs. and Exactly. Um, that's where my that family's style. from. My family's from eastern Kentucky. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And that's uh, right in the mountains. There it is. Wow. Where that music came from. There yeah. and, and then directly below it is Eastern Tennessee. That's kind of the crucible of this mountain music or hillbilly music, if you want to call it that, too. Yeah, well, they, um, well, I'm from the north, so they call it you know, anybody rural. Well, we had, you know, when I, I grew up, I live uh, just north of Trenton, but I live in a, in a, well, it's the only city in the county, and it's a small city, tiny city. And, um, but all on the outskirts for miles and miles were farms, farmland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we grew up, you know, sure. We had concrete streets to walk on and stuff, but you know, we were like, you know, walk a mile outside of town and you're right in, you're in somebody's yeah. farm, you know, cornfield. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so we have like this kind of dichotomous <laughs> kind of language and, and kind of, uh, you know, sensibility, I think you, know, you call that, what do you call that wisdom? Uh, <laughs> colloquial wisdom, I guess, what do you want to call it? But, mm-hmm. you know, um, so like, a, for instance, like somebody would be, you know, reading the newspaper for a weather report or something like that, or, you know, um, listening to the radio, what's the weather going to be and get some, somebody maybe you grew up on the farm. They're like, I can smell it rain in here <laughs> you know, like you know what i mean like you mm-hmm. said this so there do we have like, yeah we have that little bit of that um mix mix going on and um as a matter of fact i i, I went to college in boston for a couple of years oh, and okay. played in the band in rhode island in, Bri- in the bristol area oh wow uh, for about a year i think <clears throat> and um so they thought i had a southern accent <laughs> <laughs> they're like you have a southern i'm like all, i don't have a southern accent all relative <laughs> <laughs> got like a philadelphia we kind of have a phil i'm about 30 miles from philadelphia and yeah. about 72 from new york mm-hmm. so <clears throat> we kind of have a philadelphia twang there's a little southern kind of sensibility yeah. in some of the vocabulary <laughs> and um you know, but the New York is a little straighter and, um, but we had like, again, you know, we're right in between. So we got, we have (laughs) a little bit of both. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but of course, you know, when we go into, into Trenton or something, people will be like, Oh, you're, you're from the country. You know, it's like, okay. (laughs) So, but anyway, um, yeah. So, I mean, um, so we had influence like that, like, um, people played country music and like, I mean, musicians in my area played country music. Um, I mean, good, good players. Yeah. Um, 
As a matter of fact, we had, there was one place I played, I just sat in with some friends one night. It was called Hillbilly Hall. <laughs> so everybody used to go out there and it was all country. I think it was all country. But that was, you know, that was a while ago, you know. But, you know, it's funny is that here, here in Rhode Island, where I live in Rhode Island now, there is a, a venue called uh, the Mishnock Barn. And I've played at it a few times. It is a, if you didn't know you were not in Texas, you wouldn't believe it because <laughs> you walk in and it just looks like that. And they've got, the, of course, a stage. And in front of that is a place for line dancing. And wow. they teach line dancing and the people go out there. They've got all these moves. And I don't think I could remember three of those moves. And they do like 500 moves in a row and they're all in wow. sync with each other. They're playing, of course, country music really loud. And the bar is, you know, everyone's dressed like I am, even more country than me. And uh, I walk in, I'm like, oh, my. I couldn't believe my eyes. I felt like I was in Texas at Billy, Billy Bob's or something like that. And. It, of course, the illusion gets broken when you hear them speak because, you know, yes. <laughs> you go up to the bar and, and, and this guy comes up and he's just like yeah. a cowboy comes up and goes, hey, can you get me one of them Bud Lights? Over there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that Rhode Island accent. Is yeah. just, oh, the bubble gets burst immediately. And I'm back in Rhode Island again. Yeah, I had a gig, at, um regular gig on Staten Island at an Italian restaurant. Um, we used to play like a lot of covers and. Um, background music and mm -hmm. uh, good, good gig. And uh, one night this guy walks in with a cowboy hat and I don't remember, he must've been wearing boots too, cowboy boots. Of course. He must've been, I don't know. He was like <laughs> six, two, but probably like six, four with the boots oh. on or whatever. <laughs> and um, you know, big guy. And um, he's talking to me, I guess on a break and, He's like, oh, you know, this Kenny Rogers. And I was like, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do that one. And uh, so he's like, oh, yeah, play that for me. Okay. So at, and the, at the end of the night, I mean, he almost had me convinced like he was from Texas or something. <laughs> like I didn't really pick up an accent, but I figured maybe he was a transplant. Yeah. And uh, but then at the end of the night, he came up to thank me. And um, I don't remember what, what we were talking about, getting a drink or something and buy me a drink or whatever and um he's like oh yeah i gotta go uh my car is in the <laughs> like he oh. said with a new york accent car <laughs> and i'm like oh he, you know, he almost had me awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they think he was trying to convince me he was a cowboy and, yeah. and he's like my car you know i'm like oh <laughs> yeah well, so you can put um, the hat and boots on, but that doesn't really change who yeah. you are. <laughs> well, I think you know. I think that you know we can all have a little bit of cowboy, right? We grew up yeah. with the westerns and the western yep. movies, and the yeah. I mean, that's that's what I grew up with. <laughs> so I was wearing cowboy hats when I was like five, because you know that was the thing. Yeah. Everybody, all the boys were back then. Yeah, it was it was it was really big, and then of course, um, what in the late seventies, early eighties. Had a big resurgence of uh, like uh, country music, I think, and um, mm -hmm. well, it was Kenny. I guess it was Kenny Rogers, right? Kenny Rogers had a big hit, Dolly Parton. Yeah, yeah. It just gained like a lot of gravity. There was some shows like Lonesome Dove and so on that came out. Oh yeah, that were yes. kind of rekindled the old cowboy thing. Yeah, and well, there's and a bunch then, of it now too. Shows like Yellowstone, so oh on, yeah, that are. Fun, fun to watch if you like that stuff. 
if you like yeah. cowboy hats. I think somebody, somebody I know through a network uh, had just had a placement on one of those shows. Oh yeah, that'd be a, cool. like a you know cowboy type show. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think, you know, it's, you know, just about every red blooded American <laughs> has some kind of cowboy knowledge or cowboy, you know, at least Hollywood version. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, how much of part of, uh, the country it is and, you know, right. Um, you know, I think it's even stronger if you go overseas. Yeah. I've played in Europe. Uh, several times and i'll tell you what they just they just love it it's part of american lore you know it's it's, they know that it's our history from you know 150 200 years ago uh, and that it still exists in a smaller form today because you know we're more modernized than we were at 1825 but um people like it i did a show believe it or not in slovenia this is last may Slovenia is a, a, a small country in Eastern Europe. It's directly south of uh, Austria. It's right uh, across the Adriatic from Italy. And uh, I did a show at this place. And when I showed up, and they had done some publicity, you know, stuff on the TV and stuff on the newspaper that I was going to do it. And uh, when I showed up, there was these, I don't know how many women, maybe 20 or 30 all completely dressed up with cowboy hats and all this. This is the <laughs> middle of Slovenia. Yeah. Slovenia. I mean, I didn't even know how could you even get a cowboy hat in Slovenia. I guess Amazon goes <laughs> delivers. Oh, <yeah. laughs> I, don't I don't know. But and then by the time the place was uh, uh, you know filled and I was going to start, I looked out. I swear, it was half the people were dressed Western in some way, wow. just to have fun. You know, to be part yeah. of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know what they the the venue owner. This is just the most amazing thing. I'll never forget it. Before the day before, I went to see the venue, you know, talked to him about the technical stuff. And he said, uh, I have a, a, a request. Can you play? I know you play your own songs, but can you play Country Road by John Denver? And I was like, well, I really do my own. As far as I know, John Denver never played any of my songs, <laughs> but uh, he convinced me. He said, no, no, you don't understand. We love that song. Everybody in the whole country, I'm not kidding, everybody in the entire country knows that song. Like, And we have our version in our language, and we know your version, both upwards and backwards and forward. So I said, oh, okay. So I saved it for the end of the show. Of course, I had to learn it because I didn't. I mean, I've heard it a million times, but so I you never did the, sang you it. You did the Slovakian I don't know the version. words, <laughs> but I made myself a little cheat sheet in case I forgot. And you uh, did the, and I, you did I the Slovakian it. version? No, I don't know. <laughs> but I did. I saved it for the last song. And people, I mean, people stood up when I started playing. Right. And then um, when I finished it, they stood up. Whoever wasn't standing stood up and they sang it again. Wow. In their language, in Slovenian, and I just played the guitar for them. Nice. It was the most unbelievable thing I've ever experienced. Yes. <laughs> well, I think the whole cowboy idea, I mean, it's about individuality. Mm-hmm. And I think that translates all over. Yeah. I think it's it has a romantic appeal. And the romantic side of it, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... It's, um, I just think it translates well. Um, and, um, and I think it's a part of, you know, America is in the news a lot for not for hardly any good reasons. So, 
uh, I think it, that people like the fact that this is a part of America. It's kind of frozen in time in a way. Uh, and it's not political, you know? Yes. It's not left or right. It's not anything like that. It's, it's, it's a part of America that should be uncontroversial. Some people will still make it controversial because people are idiots, but forget <laughs> them. They're the minority. <laughs> Most people view it as just, it's a simpler time in, in yes. history overall and our yeah. history in particular. And, um, uh, well, know, again, uh, popular, a good song, right. A yeah. good song, uh, you know, carries a lot of, um, weight with it. Like, uh, what did, I, what did I say before? Gravity, gravitas, you know, it's, right. and plus this, it's a classic too, but it's a good song. I mean, and it's a fun song, Yeah, but it's also, um, you know, there's sentiment, a, a real strong sentiment in that song. And I think, yeah, that, I mean, everybody again, can relate to that road that takes you to your home where you yeah. grew up and, you know, where you feel you're at home and accepted by everybody. That's a, that's a perfect uh, theme for a song. Yeah. Who, who would, argue with that (laughs) who would find fault or or be angry about something like that it's going to make everybody feel good yeah um so so what other um you're you're going to be doing a video um on block island and that's about what's that about again the local it's the scarborough fair song that we scarborough kevin lucas and i recorded recently no one's heard it yet it hasn't been released we're going to wait till the video is done and then release it all of it at the same time Uh, it's really a cool arrangement it's absolutely unique now the song doesn't really have a chorus it just has like old-fashioned songs from hundreds of years ago they just had the same they had the verse and there would be different words every time you sang the verse you just sing a hundred verses and then the song's over Mm -hmm. Uh, that song had maybe uh, five or six verses some of them were kind of incomprehensible because the language has changed so much over you know hundreds of years so I updated those lyrics to be something understandable today. I had to research, like, what do some of these words even mean? Like English words we don't use. Like yeah. if you read Shakespeare, right, you're going to read words like, all right, now I don't know what that means. <laughs> I got to go right. look up that word. Yeah. So I did, uh, I did all that. And then I added a chorus, a very powerful chorus to the song. And it's a uh, can't wait for everybody to hear it. I think, I think people are going to like it. Well, I was just talking to someone. Um, and maybe I, it was a theme for the past two weeks, but, uh, talking about folk music and I, I'm like, I have a, like a Led Zeppelin. I, I do acoustic and electric music. So I do, I'm really a rock musician mm-hmm. and, but I do a lot of acoustic work because it's easier. I get out solo <laughs> and, or with percussion or something. Yep. And, you know, it's a lot easier to get gigs and right. be mobile with that. Um, but, um, you know, ha- had a great influence, you know, Led Zeppelin. Well, of course, they, they influenced a lot of people, yeah. a lot of musicians. But um, it was, um, the thing was, we were talking about, like, the like, same kind of thing, like Americana. But then I said, but, I said, you know, Led Zeppelin did, like, English folk music. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you're talking about, um, which is different than our our music, yeah, our right. American music, folk music. And, and and we were talking about the influences, which we kind of ran through of, of uh, American music and, uh, and country in, in, in particular today. But, um, well, I mean, I, I mentioned rock. So it's, you know, it's again, it's just like kind of mishmash of influences, yeah, you know. Right. 
And um, and again, you know, nobody's going to take a bad song and you know a horrible song that nobody wants to listen to and use that. They're always going to use the best material, right? The sure. catchiest tunes, yeah. Uh, yeah. right? So, um, so my point being that um, that you brought out was that um, it, it's more like um, I don't know if it's a Celtic song or where it's from the Scarborough Fair, but it's a different kind of folk than American folk. So yes. Um, yeah. Ours is mutated. I mean, we, those people came over here and so they brought their folk music with them from England, Ireland, Scotland, and so on. Uh, but then it changed like everything changes yeah. everywhere you go. You put it in a new, new environment. Maybe there's new instruments. Like we invented the dulcimer and stuff like that here in our, in our mountains that didn't exist before. We made a new, the banjo has been around for a long time. It started in Africa, I think, but we made our own version of yeah. that too, you know, and, um, uh, Everything changes over time. It just gets mutated a bit, and other things came out of it. I mean, the the blues really gave birth to rock and roll. The blue, yeah. I mean, real rock and roll, like original rock and roll, like Rolling yeah. Stones kind of rock and roll, and and a lot of the Led Zeppelin stuff and many other groups. It's clearly blues based. Yeah, blues it's all the same voicings and everything. You know the cl- the classic blues. Uh, I just was realizing this when I was in Clarksdale a couple about a month and a half ago. They called it, it's at the crossroads where the birth of the, where the blues were born, basically. And I heard lots of blues music that weekend. And, you know, there's a big riff that almost everybody plays in all these blues songs, you know, da, 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 <laughs> that yeah. you've heard that a million times, right? Yeah. Well, listen to Led Zeppelin. It's the same riff. It's just a lot faster. Yeah. It's exactly the same. It's a blues song done in a more, you know, modern, i.e. 70s way. Yeah, I never thought of that. I didn't but, either until um, I heard that riff about 30 times in a row. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, they, they were accused of, uh, you know, hacking and, you know, using other people's material and stuff, which I'm I'm sure they did, like everybody did. Kind of hard not uh, to, even back, just back by accident. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's another topic that we touch on and influences and, um, you know, but the the funny thing is that um, I'll go and I'll do a cover song and I'll do it like try and do it to the T like from mm-hmm. where, you know, my phrasing and yeah. right. And, and um, playing guitar playing and, you know, people will come up after a show and they'll be like, Oh, I like that. You did a great job on that song. Oh, thank you. And, um, they go, yeah, I really like your version. <laughs> Jeez, I thought I was like dead on, you know, like, so no matter what you do, like somebody's going to have a little different, you know, they're going to hear something a little different than what, what you're putting out there. You know? Yeah. Plus there's, plus when you're playing it with your voice and an acoustic guitar, that's a whole different experience than listening to a, a recording with, you know, the whole band and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very different experience. And even though you might do the voice and the gu- the guitar part, exactly the way it is in the record without all the other stuff you hear the song differently yeah you know yeah that's true I ask you, how did you get started with country music um did you did you play have you always done country music or have you tried different types of music yeah i really didn't start in this genre i started doing more rock and roll stuff when i was younger you know of course i was raised on both you know beatles and stones and aerosmith and all that stuff plus the country and my my uh, my family's from there so they would i'd always hear the country and i always hear the bluegrass stuff 
the mountain music, as uh, as we called it, hillbilly music. Uh, but when you're a teenager, that stuff it wasn't too exciting for me. I didn't. I I yeah. liked the loud rock and roll stuff, and that's what I. That's how I started. That's what I did for a long time. It was later in life when I, like maybe 20 years ago, when I when I decided I was too old to be a rock star. So, <laughs> plus, it was just not. I felt limited by the genre. I like it, of course. I still yeah. like it, but I felt limited by it. I really wanted to to do more storytelling hmm. uh, in the songs, uh, and, and to do theme records. I mean, you could still do a theme record. Tommy's a theme record, and it's certainly not a country record. It's yeah. a big, you know, epic rock and roll kind of a thing. But I don't know. I I felt constrained by the, uh, by rock and roll a little bit. I wanted to do something that was more acoustic, and uh, organic, and uh, it that doesn't have too many uh, electrical things or electronic things in it. So my stuff doesn't have any electronic things in it. It has uh, electric things like electric guitars and, you know, Hammond organs and stuff that you have to plug in, but it doesn't have uh, synthesizers or that kind of thing. So like, I think most people would, if they're, if you're, they were to describe country music or the essence, essence of country music, they might be, they might say, um, storytelling yeah telling a story right so that's kind of where you were well, that's kind of where you were going right. and i've gone one step farther and and write and have written albums where all the songs are kind of connected to a, to a central topic so that's even a, a it's even one step above storytelling it's telling sto many stories but all re interrelated across multiple songs so it takes longer it's more it's more difficult i'll say so you've um You've been on the Billboard Top Ten, mm -hmm. and um, music, music row country breakout charting. Yeah, of, yeah. Of American I had a song on the Music Row charts too, which is a, a Nashville. But you know, Music Row's in Nashville, and they have their own charts that are from their the radio stations that they uh, track, follow. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. Um, that's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, reaching the Billboard top 10. That's pretty, it's an accomplishment. <laughs> uh, when you were starting, I guess it's kind of natural to pick guitar if you're a songwriter, but how did mm -hmm. you get started with music? I I had a guitar, a very lousy, cheap one, even when I was five or six years old. And I sort of halfway figured out how to play it. Not really. I didn't even know how to, put, I had like a piece of twine as my guitar strap oh, wow. you know, that I got out of the drawer. <laughs> just tied it on each side of the guitar. I, I think I was wearing it wrong. I think I had the twine coming like across the front of my shirt instead of around my back. It wasn't too knowledgeable, but I would sit there and play along with uh, the records. I had big, you know, vinyl records, and I, I would just try to figure out how to play. And eventually, I learned after I figured out how to tune it because you know there was no internet or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> no one in my family knew how to tune it, so I don't know. Eventually, I figured that out, or maybe I didn't. Maybe I tuned it wrong. Well, there is no wrong. You can yeah. tune the guitar any way you want. Yeah. I use several tunings now, commonly. So I have I use different guitars. See them back there. They're tuned yeah. differently. It's the same model, but it's it's very hard to change the tuning yes. and have it stay in tune. So I use two guitars. That's much easier. Um, yeah. I, and later, when I was in high school and college, I would I had a it was a classroom. It's in fact the first year of college when I really was at the end of high school. I got super into music. I was going to art school and I eventually left because I didn't, I wanted to do music. 
but I was going to be an artist my whole life until until I really got bit by music at the at the end of high school. But in my first year of college, there was a room, a big lecture hall that they would let you could go in at night, and it had a piano at the. It was one of these lecture halls where it's like a movie theater that go you know seats go up and down and them was professor professor would be at the bottom and there was a big piano down there too, so I would go home walk home, do my homework to my, you know, in my apartment and then walk all the way back. It's like two miles to school and I w- with my guitar and I would sit with my guitar on my lap at the piano and figure out how one oh. related to the other wow. because, uh, you know, guitar has a nice thing called tablature, which I'm sure you know all about. It's little diagrams that show the strings and the fret number you're at. And then little dots with which strings you should press down with your fingers. And then above it, it will say something like A sus four <laughs> or whatever, D major yeah. seven. And so I could play that and I could hear it. And I would say, that's right. I'm playing like a song that I know that's, you know, Elton John or Billy Joel or somebody. So I know it, I can hear it and I can play by ear. So I didn't know what I was doing though at the beginning, but by seeing the, the name of the chord, eventually I figured out, oh, that's the fourth of the tonic which is c so now that's f and then g is the fifth and uh, a minor is the sixth minor so i learned i learned all that in uh, about six months but it was really helpful to have the piano there too because you oh, can yeah. piano so it's not like the guitar where it's it's a mechanical <laughs> thing where you have to figure out how to bar and you know do all these crazy things and you can play the same note five different places on the fretboard right so it takes a long time to really get familiar with that, but the piano is laid right out there, you know, and just in, in octaves, they're all identical. They look exactly, they are exactly the same. Yeah, that's right. So that made it much easier. I learned music in about six months. I mean, the theory of music and, and then oh. got better at playing both instruments. Hmm. But I was definitely uh, committed. I was, uh, I was uh, fixated. <laughs> so I'd go every night for hours and sit there until they threw me out. The janitor would come around 11 wow. o'clock and throw me out. <laughs> it was amazing. That's... I didn't get murdered walking back through the middle of Baltimore <laughs> to oh, get wow. back to my apartment. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I, um, I tried to study theory in high school, but I mean, the teacher gave me a book. Mm-hmm. Um, geez, I can't even pistons, piston, the classical, classical music version of theory. Mm. But I, I eventually went to college when I went to college uh, for music. Um, I, um, I studied a jazz or more popular, like a pop kind of theory, mm. um, which related to jazz. We were studying jazz. Yep. So all of a sudden, I mean, for me, I know it just opened, opened things up like, aha, that's what, that's why that sounds like that. Right. Because it's this chord. And like, you know, growing up, I would always hear or- orchestrated parts or something like that. Yeah. And you're talking about like a sus four. So maybe you hear this resolution four to three. Yeah, right, right. Right. And um, so yeah, things start to make sense, like why they, why you heard them because they were, they were using them as you know, tools, you know, right. in the, in the uh, composition. But, um, yeah, so I applaud you for that. That's pretty, um, pretty determined to, uh, <laughs> do that yourself. That's pretty wild. Well. 
a little bit obsessive. <laughs> That's, I think you have to be at um, a certain point, unless you want to take five years to do it. I wanted to, I wanted to know everything immediately. So still took six months at least. So, um, how do you feel about the music industry today or the state of the music industry today? We, we touched on it, but mm. we didn't really get too deep into it. Like, I mean, the, well, the, I, have, uh, I have two minds of it about it. One, one is there's good and bad. There's good and bad. The good part is that like here, I have a studio that I can record. I don't do everything in my records here, but I do a lot. I do all my pre-production and, and uh, all my writing, all creating everything before really cutting the, the, the final tracks. I do it all here. I could make records here if I wanted to, if I didn't, but I want to get other people. Like I have a lot of Nashville players that I use. So I go there and record them. Um, but I could, you could make records on your, on your own now that are really good. Technically speaking, if, if you're good and you know what you're doing, the equipment is there, it's easy. And also there's a million ways you can put your music out there for anybody to listen to it, all the streaming platforms and all, all, all that stuff. That's all good on one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin is that everybody in the world can do that. And there's so much music out there that it's really hard to, um, to get any traction in, in the business. It's, I mean, it's virtually impossible for anybody, no matter how good, doesn't even matter if you're any good or not, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's almost, you're facing a, uh, an avalanche or yeah. a waterfall of, how many sounds they put on Spotify songs like 6,000 or some six, crazy 60, number thousand a day, some crazy 60,000, I mean, 60,000. So per day, yeah. how are you going to compete with that? You have to <laughs> be one of the, the rare few that uh, get a record deal. And because they, they really control 85% uh, of the whole business even today. Yeah. Well, it's, if, if you want, if you're looking for a record deal, right? I'm not because I, mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to, like I said at the beginning, I'm not going to fit into any of their wishes or desires. So that's obviously not in my uh, future. It's not going to happen. And I, I mean, even, even though I, I would probably be more financially successful, I wouldn't be very happy. I'd have to do what they told me to, what to do. Yes. I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do what I want. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, that's basically what this uh, podcast is about. It's about, indie music and the, the greater question is do you actually need a label to do something or what does that mean so i guess bottom line is can you make a living at music i think that's goes along with that um get tough. get labeled um, you know do you it's need really a tough. label or not well i'll yeah. say it depends what you want to do in the music business yeah uh, i think what we do trying to write original stuff is the most difficult because it's almost no one will no one wants to hear you play. I mean, hardly anybody. So it's it's really tough. It's really tough to make uh, any real money. I have a few friends, however, they they created tribute bands. Yeah. They are really successful. And some of these tribute bands can go out and make a million dollars a year or more. Yeah. I mean, well, I some of them really do. They make a couple of hundred thousand up into the several millions of dollars. They've got several tour buses. Uh, I think there's one, I can't think of their name, that does a Led Zeppelin. And uh, it's they have full-time gig they're traveling the world female band millions of dollars a year female female led zeppelin band uh, yeah was that les zeppelin les zeppelin but there's les yeah, zeppelin yeah, yeah. i know, the, I know the, one of the players from that but there's plenty of tribute bands that are and some of them are extremely good yeah but you know they're not doing 
they're pretending to be somebody else. So that's the that's the other side of that coin. I don't yeah, have well, no interest in doing that, but boy, I, I recognize that A, they're really, really some of them are extremely good. And B, they can really they make a lot more money than I make. So Well, that's that's, that's the problem. One of the big problems for live performances today is a lot of people want to hear cover music and yeah. the original um showcases are dying out the venues um, mm-hmm. are stopping um, or limiting who they have right uh, so there's really no i think ringo Starr said this and I, maybe paul mccartney too they were asked about it and i, th- I believe ringo Starr said something like to the effect that you know where are you supposed to start out today there's no place yeah. to get started mm-hmm. you know hey and, they were a cover band yeah you know right up until just about when they made their own record their first record was not the version released in the U.S., but the Meet the Beatles that was, or I think they, in England they called it With the Beatles. It was had like 18 songs on it. Had all the ones that were on our Meet the Beatles record, but it had about 10 covers on it. Like Please Mr. Postman and a whole bunch of other ones. That so They were a cover band. That's how they yeah. made a living. They didn't make a living before they became really big. They didn't make a living with their original songs. They would sneak, sneak them in. You know, <laughs> but they'd be doing a set for three hours and play a hundred songs and three of them would be originals. You know, well, my, my take on it and see, see if you maybe agree is, um, you know, the baby boomers, you know, are the ones with money, <laughs> you know, and then maybe, I don't know what the generation is right behind that, but um, I'm not sure what they call them, but I don't know, but the baby boomers, you know, so they're, you know, you get people, they want to go out to a club. They want to hear cover music. Yeah. Right. Because so, you know, there's been a study, a study that I, study result that I saw, and I've heard it a couple of times that people stop listening to new music at the age of 30. Mm. So, you know, and I think it's true in a lot of cases. I don't think it's true for everyone, but, um, you know, people want to hear maybe people are still listening to Elvis. Maybe they're still listening to early Beatles, you know, and, mm. uh, they're, they might not even listen to uh, Abbey road. They might listen to, like you said, meet the Beatles <laughs> and, and, and Beatles six or whatever yeah. is the follow up. And, um, you know, uh, so I think that's part of it because that's where the money is. Like mm-hmm. They're paying. And I know like wineries, um, they're really good gigs, but you have to play covers. Yeah. And then, so the people that I know, they're playing, you know, standards, standard covers. I guess yeah. it's kind of like, I used to, I used to play jazz and I was offered a couple of times to do like these society gig kind of things, um, kind of, uh, well, I just said gig, a society gig uh, work, doing society gig work. So basically you'd go out, you'd play all the tunes, you know, whatever anybody wanted if they wanted yeah. uh, Sinatra or they wanted uh, you know um, uh, Sammy Davis or you know whatever was big at the time and of course into the 80s it could have been Manilow or you know mm-hmm. um, or it could have been Kenny Rogers you know so it, it didn't didn't have to be one genre but um, you know it ran the gamut of sort of like top 40s you know, for the last 30 years or something, you know, any, any kind of hit people could ask you for. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like that. And that's, I think that's the other side is like, again, it's the money thing and that's what people want to hear. You know, they want to reminisce and which is fine. I mean, that's great. 
Um, just I would like to have a song <laughs> like that, <laughs> that people want to hear and they want to ask for <laughs> as a cover song. Right. Um, but um, you can only be only be so lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, um, I think that's the economic side of it. Uh, just my take, mm. but I think there's, it's very weighty. Um, now, upcoming behind it, there's another thing that's popular is like metal, heavy metal mm-hmm. is very popular and they bring people out to shows. So, yeah, but that's generally going to be a younger crowd, yeah. younger audience. Yeah. So um, I don't know what generation that would be. I don't think it's I think millennials and, and below. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at Gen, Gen X. Z and X's, I think. Too. Yeah. Maybe Gen X, um, but um, maybe that's the was that the generation behind Baby Boomers? Maybe that's Gen X. I can't remember. I don't know, <laughs> but um, but anyway, yeah. So I think you know, it's the music of their day of our of our day, Baby Boomers, and um, you know, uh, people. That's what people want to hear. So, mm-hmm. but um, again, if you have a good song, um, you know, they might not stay for your whole set, but they'll dance or sing try and sing along if you have a sing-along people understand that you know i just did a gig last saturday and um i had young kids coming up running up and going oh you're great and this and that you know like they're actually enjoying it um but um you know people stop and they listen and i was at a brewery and um people stop and listen and they clap along or you know try and sing along yeah um so again you know if it's like again, if you can clap along or sing along, you know, mm-hmm. you're 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 in good shape. Uh, most of the time, people are going to respond to that. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's just one of the things is um, the indie artist and and the um, opportunities. So now, um, you uh, you mentioned Nashville, and you mentioned another performance, but I'd seen that you read that you had um, performed at Carnegie Hall. Yep. And was that um, your project or? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's um, it's a show that Eileen Sherman and I produced. Okay. Uh, with, we, we've done it twice. So the first time we did a show at Carnegie Hall well, three years ago, three and a half years ago, we got together, she and I got together with Voter Kellerman, who you might know. Oh, He's yeah. a yes. South African uh, uh, flute player and a super great guy. So the three of us kind of went in together. We made a, uh, a show with the three of us because, you know, to, to, and, and then we had to sell the tickets. So <laughs> otherwise we'd lose all the money if we went out there and did a show to no one. But luckily we, I think we, I think we sold it out first time. And um, that was cool because the, that's kind of like the, the, what the indie collaborative is, is about because it allowed us to pool our resources and be stronger as a group rather than trying to do it as individuals, you know, we couldn't do it as individuals. We didn't have the money to do it, but the, by splitting it three ways, we could afford to put on it. This, this show at, at Carnegie hall. Right. So uh, that's, and sell that's the tickets. And the second time we got more people involved. So yeah. we had shorter sets, but uh, we got more people on stage. Right. So this is how I met you um, through your founding founder of uh, indie collaborative. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I met some really good musicians, um, through that organization and that's a really cool thing that you're doing. So that's one of the things that you're trying to do. Yeah. Trying to affect 
uh, as you said, like collaboration and um, yeah, you're trying to create opportunities for for all of us, you know, independence. Yeah, yeah exactly. To so make that, so really we can cool. be stronger together. Yeah. You know, in some ways, we're all still individual. It's not like we're making a big group or anything. We're right. all individual artists and so on, or some of bands too. But but we can help each other in lots of ways, unique ways. Uh, and it's yeah, about it's, collaborations too. So it's we could help each other. We did, for example, we did a a, sh a, a Christmas show uh, last. Not not it was in twenty was it twenty one? No, no, it was just last year. We did it at uh, Lincoln Center. So we again by getting a bunch of people involved, we could afford to do that. Otherwise, you can't afford to do it because <laughs> you have thirty thousand dollars in your pocket. But yeah. if you get a bunch <laughs> of people together who each want to be part of it. And then you, each gives a little money, not thousands, but, you know, maybe a few hundred. And then you can do stuff like that. Yes. So uh, we're going to do one in England in July. Wow. That'll be a first time doing one outside the country. Wow. Um, so how did you come up with that idea? Or was, um, um, do you have a, Eileen, is she a co-founder of this? Yep. Or? Yeah, Eileen Sherman co we got the idea kind of at the same time. Uh, maybe we started in 2015, so hard to believe, almost uh, almost eight years ago. Uh, that was a, that was a year in which we a lot of people were sort of connecting people that were in the Grammys, and um, we were connecting because the the Grammys themselves had a, a they called it G365. It was kind of like a social media thing on their website. So if you remember, you could log in and you could send other people messages. They got rid of that. And so everybody went to Facebook. And then because it's much easier to use Facebook than what they had, it's more flexible, um, more open. And of course, with many, many more people on it. But we could we could we really built our community beyond the people that were in the Grammys with just with indie musicians in general. Um, and we started getting together, like having little lunch, like if I would be in Texas or, you know, Austin or something, I would just look up uh, in our Facebook groups, who, who do I know that oh, is right. here that I've never met? And we would just say, Hey, do you want to have lunch at the, the hungry hippo at, on Thursday <laughs> <laughs> next week? And then, you know, a bunch, that's how I met so many people that I'm, that I'm still friends with. And this went on for a while. Uh, Eileen was kind of doing the same thing, but then, you know, the Grammy season would kind of would be done, you know, and then I'd be like, wow, I'm, I don't get to see my friends anymore. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, why can't we just do it all the time? It has nothing to do with the Grammys anyway. Why don't we just, it has to, it has to do with friendship and camaraderie, you know, that's what it's really about. And so I had this idea, why don't I, it would be cool to make an organization. And, and then she came up to me one day and said, I had this idea. I won't, you know how we get together. And I said, I don't even say it. I know what you're going to say. We want to keep doing it. Right. She said, <laughs> yes. So we, we, we made an appointment basically about a month later to to meet in New York City and figure out how to create what to do, what to how to create an organization, what the name of it would be, and how to put on a show, you know, with our just with people that wanted to be in the uh, indie collaborative. That's what we did in, in June of uh, 2015. We did that at the Drama League in New York City, down by Canal Street. We didn't know if anybody was going to show up. You know, we had a room that could hold maybe 50 people. And 75 people showed up <laughs> <laughs> wow. and it was, that was the beginning. And, and we've done 20 shows like that since then all over the country. 
done a bunch in New York. We've done a bunch in LA, Atlanta. We did one in Nashville. We did one, the one you went to. I don't know if you, have you been to more than one? I remember you seeing you at Puck and Doylestown, yeah. right? Um, I think I went to one in New York, uh, but I, I got sick. Maybe Bitter End or something. We did the Bitter End several times. I, um, I got sick in 2019, so I'm still battling with this health. Uh, and uh, so I've kind of been out of commission for a few years, yeah. just doing very little. And um, so I, ha I unfortunately had to miss uh, a bunch yeah. of those, but I'm hoping to get back, <laughs> back for a visit at some point soon, I hope. And You're um, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it's we'll very- We'll probably do Washington, D.C. next summer, by the way. Just, okay. We haven't figured out exactly where. If we can do it at one of the Kennedy Center venues, we'll do that. Wow. Awesome. That's not too far for you. <laughs> well, it's about five hours. <laughs> Is it five hours from you? Yeah. I'm in New Jersey. I don't know, but. Oh, but you're well. thinking it's closer. No, it's, <laughs> it's about a good five hours, I think. No, but it's Washington's cool. I mean, um, I was, I, I've been in touch with somebody down there and uh, talking about some kind of gig or something. Mm -hmm. And um, well, actually Maryland and, and maybe Washington, but, um, or maybe I see something pop up. There's show availability or something. Hmm. But I think there's, there's an indie kind of thing happening there. Um, songwriter thing. Hmm. Um, so that'd probably be a good spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I can say that it, it's very, well, it's fun. Um, and you know, you can meet musicians. Like I meet musicians all the time, but you don't always meet songwriters mm -hmm. and yeah. maybe in my local area, but then, you know, so the song you have less songwriters and then you have less I can't say I have a career at it. I have a it's a an expensive hobby, <laughs> I could say. Um and I do perform. But um, you know, there are less people who do that yeah. get to that next stage and actually are trying to get out and because yeah. most of the people like we you mentioned before are playing like cover music. So yeah. they're doing they're making money doing covers. And they don't get to do original music, but I devote, you know, almost all of my time to um, original music and promoting original music and so on and so forth, and uh, collaborate, try, you know, trying to do collaborative shows and things. Um, but the main thing I think that I got out of um, uh, indie uh, music collaborative is um, the uh, it's inspirational very highly inspiring. Yeah. I mean, there's people, um, Ricky Kesh, mm -hmm. I met him. I think I met him. He has three Grammys now. Won three Grammys. I think mm -hmm. I met him before he won his first Grammy. I could be wrong about that, but I think I met him before he won his first Grammy. And, um, I was sitting right behind him when he won that first one. And I still, I think I still have the video. I, I, sh I had my phone going when they put the <laughs> names up and I started my video and then uh, I got him going all walking all the way up and giving his speech and everything. That was well, cool. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, now here's someone, you know, he's from India, mm -hmm. you know, who I would never meet. Right. You know, I on would, a circuit. How would I ever meet him? <laughs> yeah. And, um, right. you know, he's. And how would he ever meet us? <laughs> yeah. And, and um, he's just like a regular person. You know what I mean? Like now he has three Grammys. He's like a regular guy. Um, musician loves music like we love music um and um and a number of people i knew i actually knew know a few other people from my area that are in it 
in, in the organization. And, um, but yeah, I think the, the, the main thing that I get out of it, it's, it's very inspirational because it's like, wow, you know, I, maybe I could do that. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I could, you know, get nominated or win an award, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, so it's cool that, you know, people are supporting each other and, um, uh, or the idea behind it is to support, support each other. And I think that's, right. you know, great, a great organization. So I really appreciate that. That's, it's, um, you know, well, thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> and it kind of, it's kind of its own reward. You know, we don't do it for money. We certainly don't make any money. We just try not to lose. That's all. Yes. <laughs> we try not to lose. And if we lose, we don't we try not to lose very much, but um, everybody's, I mean, all, all independent musicians are invited to join. Just go to indiecollaborative.com. And there's a join menu. Just click on it and just fill out the little form, and we'll we'll do the rest. Then you then you be part of it. Yeah, it's 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 a great uh, organization. Um, now, what's you you mentioned you're going to be doing a video soon, but um, what's happening? Are you doing any performances? Or are you going to be? I know that you tour. Are you going to have any yeah. tours? In I have mind a few. Or? I have a few because we're going to do the indie collaborative in. July over in England, and I'm going to play also in Scotland. I have a show oh, wow. there or two, nice. and then in August uh, I'm playing at the uh, the ACMA, which is Americana um, Community. I can never remember what the acronym is, but everybody just calls it ACMA. <laughs> it's in uh, Fort Myers in Florida. I've done it a few times. It's really a great. It's all. It's only original music. It's great, and it's really well supported by the community down there. Oh. So I'll be doing that and. Uh, so I'll be doing a driving trip. So I'll be doing different things down the coast. And then that one's at the end. And then I'll turn around and start driving back up north. <laughs> I'm sure I'll do something in Tennessee. I'm sure I'll do something. I mean, where I normally play is the south, you know, because look at me. And I usually <laughs> play in Kentucky or Tennessee or West Virginia, Virginia uh, itself, of course, the Carolinas. I mean, the whole southeast is kind of my. Well, yeah, Pennsylvania I, is. I know like big, big on blue collar. Like, um, you yeah. know, I, I grew up in a blue collar town and family and, uh, yep. um, yeah, the whole middle of Pennsylvania is pretty rural and, and, uh, it's part of Appalachia. Actually, it's really beautiful mountains. I usually come up through the middle of Pennsylvania when I drive back from, from Nashville, oh, I yeah. don't go anywhere near the coast. I don't want to go over there. <laughs> all that route 95 stuff. I stay yeah. up on 99 and 81 and 78 and all those that go across the middle of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's beautiful out that way. Um, so just I, let me go back to Europe. Um, you played in Slovakia. Did you have you played anywhere else um, to date in Europe? Or yeah, yeah, I've played. Uh, that was my most recent one, the one in Slovenia. Then yes. um, Slovenia. I, okay. Before that, I played in I played in France. I played in England. I played in uh, the Netherlands. I played in uh, Germany and Austria. So my question is like, how, how do you feel? How do you, what did you think about playing for a European audience? Um, I really, Oh, large? Italy. I forgot to mention Italy. I did a big tour of Italy three years ago. Um, I really like it. I really like it. And I think uh, maybe because first of all, they pay better than <laughs> American venues and they yeah. usually give you a place to stay and a, a meal and everything else. So yeah, well, that doesn't happen over here. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I heard reports from jazz musicians, you know, going way back um, that, um, you know, people appreciated music over there more than they do here. And 
Yeah. Uh, art, art, I should say. Right. Art. It's more, they, they appreciate the art of it. And, um, and they do, and they support um, original music more so than here, to be honest. Yeah. So I have people telling me that I should go over and do, you know, try and get over and play somewhere. And yeah. People that live there, <laughs> they're like, oh, they, you know, you'd have fun over here. And I was like, well, I'd like to. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I was much younger and if I didn't have a family and, on, and a house and all the rest, I'd, I would just go over there <laughs> and just live out of the back of my van or something. And <laughs> I think I could do better there than, than here, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, I know of people who um, do like little tours. I think somebody mentioned it recently that they were doing something. I forget which country or countries, maybe Germany and France, maybe I forget. Um, yeah. So. Cause I always, always talk to people about that. Like, um, seems like, you, you know, it might be your music, original music, like you were saying might, might be more accepted over there. So you, you think it is. Um, yeah, I, I think also there's the phenomenon where you're nothing exciting because you're from here, you know, but when I go over there, they're like, Oh, an American you know, cowboy hat. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think I'm just more interesting That's to them. True. I'm yeah. not just a, a goober like I am. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's something about that, you know, what was the, the parable that you're, or the, uh, maybe not a parable, but an expression that you're no man is a, a prophet in his home town, right? <laughs> you're nothing too excited. No matter how, no matter what you, you could cure cancer and there are people down the street are like, yeah, that's that Grant guy. Where's a cowboy? You broke my window when you were eight years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that's. I think that's so true. Um, well, the other thing is, I think like locally, like um, people feel like they can go out and see you anytime because you're right. You play locally, you know. Exactly. There's that you know? too. Yeah. It's like, well, he's only in Europe for you know one week or whatever. So. Well, I always do better when I go out and about. Yeah. And um, yeah, I go yeah. a little farther from where I live, uh, <laughs> and you're like a not—it's a novice act, right? And uh, so, but um, yeah, so that's great, man. Uh, wish you luck on that, and um, you know, with your tour and your and your new releases. And um, do we have a date for uh, on the next song, or it's going to be a video and a song release at the same time? Yeah, we don't have the date yet. We're gonna—it'll depend. It'll be—it'll be soon, though. I would say within a. It should be within a month, but we're going to shoot maybe, maybe not exactly a month, but we're going to shoot the video in, on the 20th with any luck. It'll be done in two weeks. It takes a lot of editing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I'll be doing. I'll be sitting right in this chair doing it. So it, it'll, it'll take some hours, many hours of work. So probably a few weeks and then we'll schedule it to get released. I'm sure in June, I don't think we want to go beyond that. But that'll, that'll be popping up. Um, and then of course you have other music that is available for listening and I trust you're on all the uh, major streaming platforms. Yes. And then how do we find you? Well, if you go to my website, it's just, it's my three names, Grant Malloy Smith, um, with a hyphen in between the, the three names. So grant dash Malloy dash Smith.com and Malloy only has one L everybody always wants to put two <laughs> L's in it because that's normally the way it's spelled, but somehow in my family, it's always had one L. Going back about 500 years. So there, there it is. Grant-Malloy-Smith.com. And that has links. You can watch videos there, too. You can hear music there. You can see stuff about everything I've done. And it's got links to all the social media platforms and the streaming platforms. Oh, cool. Awesome. 
So grant-malloy-smith.com. That's it. Cool. Um, so are there any, um, you have any advice uh, other than what we talked about for um, up and coming musicians or um, maybe touring advice or wow. pursuing your dream? You know, for, I would just uh, say it's a, it's a long road. <laughs> make, make a, a realistic goals, set them, I should say, and then just work it backwards. Like, what here's what I want where I want to be in one year, two years, five years, reasonable ones. And then, um, and then figure out what look, looking at it backwards. What if you were at that goal? How did you get there? So that those are the things you need to do now. It, it's like a business. Well, guess what? It is a business. It's called the music business. <laughs> and we all love the fun part of it, which is not the business. It's the writing of songs and playing and recording and getting people to clap for you. That's all. That's all the fun stuff. It's hard work, but it's still fun. The business part is not so much fun. You know, being on the phone, emailing, trying to get gigs where no one will hire. You know, the usual, not getting paid. <laughs> that's the not fun part. But that's the part that, unless you do that, you're going to be playing in your basement forever. So you have to yeah. set reasonable goals and then make a business plan because it is a business. And if you don't. I would also say if you don't want to be in the, the business, if you don't want to do the business part of it, don't enjoy music, play, play music, have fun. Don't sweat it. You'll be a lot happier. <laughs> You'll be a lot happier. Don't, don't forget, forget the superstar stuff and, you know, making millions of dollars. That'll happen once one out of every, you know, hundred million people. So yeah, don't worry about that. Just do the best art you can do and have fun. Very good. Good advice. And um, you have anything that you might want to say to any fans that might be listening or potential fans? Well, first of all, I would say thank you for being a fan or being interested. Um, please go to my website and listen to more stuff. And you can you can also chat with me there. I have a built-in chat thing at the bottom of every page. <clears throat> you can send messages and I'm the only one that sees it. I don't I, I'm not any kind of superstar. I don't have any group of people doing it for me. I do it all myself. So uh, I'll see your message. So reach out. Awesome, man. Sounds good. Um, well, thanks so much for stopping by. My pleasure. And um, I look forward to seeing you <laughs> uh, sometime soon. And uh, I look forward to hearing your um, your new release. And look, look for it. Are you going to be in New Jersey at all or? New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania. Not, I don't have any immediate plans for that. Okay. But all right. Well, if I um, do, if I do, I'll give you a, give you a shout. Okay. Well, I, this is, this is, this won't be broadcast. This is, I'll cut this, edit this part out. But, um, yeah. So we, we like to go to Rhode Island. So, um, if, uh, if we do come up that way, maybe I'll give you a shout. Oh, please. Yeah. Definitely. And, um, I actually want to do some kind of, uh, performances up there. There's couple of places in Massachusetts I've been looking at mm -hmm. and um, I think there's like an original music showcase in Lowell um, and then there, I think there's something in Southern Massachusetts um, I've been in touch with somebody there I don't remember what mm. that is <laughs> and yeah, um, definitely. reach out and, if you're going to be up here let me know sure man Great. and uh, again thanks for doing the uh, indie music 
uh, group and um, hope to see you there too. And um, take care. You too. Thanks, Pat. All right, man. Take it easy. Be good. For more information about Grant Malloy Smith on the web, grant-malloy-smith.com. On social media, search for Grant Malloy Smith. For more information about Pat Foran, you can look up Pat Foran Music on the web or go to patforanmusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, pat.foran, and also on Facebook. Thanks for listening to Get Labeled Indie Music Roadmap with Pat Foran.